Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wilbur, and today we're digging into all things recruiting and hiring. I was lucky to have David Lorenzen on the show today. He's the executive recruiter at South Coast Partners, one of the most premier recruiting firms focused on all things real estate. We got pretty tactical today to really hear what candidates should be doing to stand out in this job market and also what recruiters and hiring managers are looking for. This was fun. We got pretty tactical and I hope there are some good takeaways for you. I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. All right, David, welcome to Modern Multifamily. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. It's an honor to be here. I'd love to start out with a little bit about your story, who you are, and what you do. Would you mind maybe sharing a little bit of overview, more on the career, but also South Coast Partners side of the house? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm an executive recruiter. Um, I, we specialize in real estate. South Coast Partners has been around since 1993. Um, so we've been around for almost 30 years. I think it's going to be 30 years in June. Um, the founders will actually kill me if, uh, if that's wrong, but um, it is 30 years. It was in 1993. Um, and, and they started in recruiting uh, in real estate since day one. And I joined in 2014. And so I've been able to learn from them. And then take out. So I've been able to take that and and, and succeed. And, and we've done. Hopefully, I think we've done a lot of good. Um, and we specialize in in really the multifamily industry, um, but also you know single family rental recently and uh, build to rent uh, niches and and do some commercial uh, office and retail and industrial. But uh, the majority of our work is within the multifamily space. Got it. That's great. Well. Considering everything that's happening right now, like every time you turn on LinkedIn, let alone the news, there's been some sort of a layoff or a riff. Uh, there's some sort of economic you know, turmoil or question mark about how 2023 will play out. Uh, if you're up for it, I'd love to use just the next little bit of our time together to really talk through how we can empower candidates that are on the market right now, you know, what you're looking for and some of the tactics across the spectrum that people can really like harness and leverage to, to stand out and have the best probability of success of finding, you know, that ideal next step in their, in their career journey, if that sounds okay to you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I can tell you, there's good news that people are hiring. You know, if you go on to LinkedIn or you go on a job board, like Indeed, you will see a ton of jobs. And even in the tech industry where you see the most uh, layoffs, um, uh, you know, research shows that a lot of those people are, are finding jobs um, within a month. And I think that's, uh, and, and, and unemployment is still beneath 4%. So um, I think we're still in a, in a relatively healthy spot. Um, and it's still seemingly especially in property management, a candidate driven market. Um, so if that does happen, unfortunately, you know, layoffs are happening. Um, you know, it was even announced recently that one of the largest real estate companies, BlackRock was laying off some folks. Um, so it is going to hit the real estate industry and is hitting the real estate industry. Um, but there is some good news, I think, and maybe some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, in terms of, you know, maybe helping some of these folks that are recently laid off, um, you know, I would say uh, 
got a lot of you know suggestions and advice and obviously there's more than one way to skin a cat um there's more way more than one way to get a job but um but i do have some suggestions and um number one if you just recently got laid off and it wasn't you know your fault and it was a part of a company-wide layoff have those folks that you knew that you worked with write recommendations you know they can go on linkedin and write a recommendation um, you can write, you know, a written recommendation. Uh, if you're able to send a resume with uh, one or two recommendations from some place that you just got laid off, that is very helpful. Um, you know, it's kind of like uh, getting hired and, and, and referrals. It's kind of like when you're looking for an Airbnb or you're looking for a place to eat, you know, you go on Google or Yelp or TripAdvisor and you look at the reviews, you know. And having that recommendation is is sort of a, a review for yourself. Um, I think it's 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 big. Um, I love that. And I, yeah, other things you can do is is really you know update your LinkedIn profile, um, update your resume, have uh, quantifiable accomplishments. Um, you know, if you were in sales, you know, what did you sell a month or what did you sell a year? Um, you know, if, uh, you know, how did you add to sales or add to revenue? How did you cut expenses um, and by how much? You know, if you cut expenses by $100,000 last year by saving X and X and X, um, then put that on the resume, you know, put that on your LinkedIn profile. Um, having those quantifiable accomplishments uh, goes a long way. You know, it just if you just have your job description on your resume or your LinkedIn profile, it doesn't really stand out. Um, you know, uh, compared to you know the next person. Uh, but if you have those quantifiable accomplishments, you really stand out from others. I think. Que um, question for you on. A couple of the things you've said so far, when you, when you talk about writing recommendations, do you prefer to see those sitting right there on a LinkedIn profile? Do you, do you prefer to see those there as well as in like a formatted doc? So when someone's reaching out, they can attach their CV resume as well as a list of recommendations. Like I'd love to hear kind of the best practices for usage. Cause it does feel like to me that people that get recommendations on their LinkedIn profile don't tend to use those as much as they could proactively. Yeah, I mean, you could take the recommendation from the LinkedIn profile and make it into a PDF. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't say send like 20 recommendations with your resume. You know, <laughs> that might not be nobody wants to read through, I think, 20 recommendations. But um, I do think it's helpful to send two or three uh, with a resume. Um, and, and I think both, uh, honestly, um, I would say. That's great. Uh, on the resume front, you mentioned updating the resume. I've always heard mixed feedback on resume length based on how long your career has been. You know, you're 15 years into your career and you've worked as an executive for four different companies. Maybe you're okay to have longer than one page, but you're 26 years old and you've been an analyst twice. You probably don't need three pages. Any guidance that's general or specific on resume utilization, let alone making sure that it's quantifiable? Yes. And, and there's a lot of debate on resume length. Um, but I can tell you that um, I have never heard anybody say 
you know, their resume, if their resume was two or three pages, that the resume was too long. I've never heard that once um, in 10 years. Um, so you can have a two or three page resume. It's okay. I've seen people with 20 years, though, have one page. And because they heard this myth that it has to be one page, but there's no information, no details on the resume. It's like, yes, I'm, I'm vice president of such and such company. And, and that's it. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> how did you get to become vice president? You know, uh, or what was your your role and what were your accomplishments? Um, so if you have that 15 or 20 years, it's OK to have two or three pages. Number one, um, if you don't take anything away from me today, please take that. Like you can have two or three pages. Now, if you're brand new right out of school and you are an analyst, you know, with one year, then I think, you know, one page is uh, adequate. Um, but please know that you can have a two or three page resume if you've got some experience. I like it. Uh, this is super tactical, but I'd love to get your feedback on the best ways to apply. Like right now, I'm seeing a lot of companies that utilize the LinkedIn job application feature where you can do that easy apply. Uh, and I know as a LinkedIn recruiter that you then might just get a whole, you know, blend of, of people that come through that way. And they're not necessarily going to the website to do a proper application if the company's offering both. Are there things that you recommend when people are actually doing the application to have the highest probability of, of standing out and actually getting the attention of recruiters like you and your peer group? Um, Applying is fine. I mean, on company websites or LinkedIn, um, I would say don't apply with your LinkedIn profile if it's not updated. Um, you know, we see that a lot. Uh, so I would apply with whichever one is the most updated and the most accurate and, and has the most quantifiable accomplishments on it. Um, but I, I think just applying with your LinkedIn profile is fine. Um, I don't know. We don't we don't we don't do a whole lot of. Uh, like we do a whole lot of in-person reaching out. Um, so we don't uh, have a lot of LinkedIn job postings like that, but uh, I, I would apply on LinkedIn. I mean, I, I know people that have gotten tons of jobs from LinkedIn job postings, um, but we also have job postings on our website and we you know, filter through those as well and call those folks. And so, um, there's not like, like I said in the beginning, there's not one way to skin a cat. I would say apply, uh, if it's free, especially, you know, apply as much as you can. Um, sure. What about associations? I know that when you start getting to like the regional game, especially in real estate, multifamily, the apartment associations, like really can create a lot of magic for people, whether it's suppliers or, operators. And I'd, I'd assume there's a place for candidacy or exploring career opportunities and going deeper in your network. Do you have any recommendations on the association front, how to decide which ones to participate and how to leverage them, things like that? Yeah, I, I would definitely suggest getting involved in the associations from day one of your career in multifamily. Um, number one, you know, you kill three birds, with one stone, you get uh, education, um, you get networking and you get a resume builder. Um, and the beautiful thing about the associations is they have a lot of specific uh, uh, classes and certifications. You know, there's a, a certification for maintenance. There's a certification for property management. There's a, a whole area for marketing and leasing. 
And uh, so I would highly suggest getting involved in associations. Um, now, and, and, and I can tell you personally, um, a lot of people do, you know, it's great for networking. They get hired because uh, we hear a, a lot like, oh, yeah, I know that person. Uh, we did, uh, you know, judging in this association or we did, you know, we served on this committee during in this association. And it happens a lot and it makes you stand out. You know, it, 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 the more people that, you know, um, the better. And especially, you know, the ones involved in the associations a lot of the times are the ones getting ahead. And, and, and a lot of the executives do participate in the associations or president of associations. Um, so highly suggest uh, at the local level or the national level. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about multifamily is the associations. You know, I used to work in the healthcare field and, and it wasn't as involved um, like multifamily is. And that's a huge resource for somebody. I love that. I, I have to ask on the actual conversation front, you know, you've kind of filtered through the noise, you've optimized your LinkedIn, you made sure that your resume was the right length, not too short, not too long. You've, you know, gotten some of those, those recommendations from your past employer. Cause you did leave with your head held high. You were laid off, not fired for performance, which I've definitely seen that conversation be misused. Um, and they get to a conversation they're in an interview, whether it's a first touch or a deeper dive. What do you recommend here? I know this is an open-ended conversation and, and question, but um, my experience, like one of the most important things for a candidate is curiosity and seeing that they researched and they care and they, they see a path to being a good fit, not giving them the floor for questions and having them be like, oh, no, I don't have any questions today. That's one of my biggest, like, man, what a missed opportunity. But what's your guidance here on maximizing and making the most of that, that really important interview time? Yeah, that is crucial. I would highly suggest, you know, making sure that you research the company, um, making sure that you know the name of the person that you're interviewing with and remember the name, <laughs> you know, not say, oh, yeah, I'm meeting with Daniel and, you know, their name is Mike. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, I would say a lot of the body language type stuff that people um you know, don't always utilize looking people in the eye, shaking people's hand. Uh, if you're in a room with, you know, five or six people and, you know, maybe only one person asking the questions, but look everybody in the room in the eye when you're answering the question and then maybe go back to the person who answered or who asked it. Um, because, you know, sometimes the interview is an emotional uh, connection and, uh, you know, people will come out of the interview and, and they'll get together and they'll say, well, what did you think about Mike? Uh, well, I don't know. I didn't really like Mike. And this is really, really just, you know, they never asked a question. They never talked. Um, it may not be anything that you said. You just never look at them, you know? Um, so a lot of the body language stuff, um, definitely if you're having an interview on Zoom or Microsoft Teams, have your camera on, you know, make sure you're doing all the video, the lighting, and make sure you practice and, and everything is uh, technically there. Um, that's a big one nowadays. You know, we've had some people never turn their camera on during an interview and, uh, and it was a disaster. Um, and so highly recommend doing that and practicing. Um, but, uh, 
trying to think of, of what else. Um, you know, definitely just be prepared. Research the company. Um, like you said, ask the questions. Be honest. You know, if if you're not honest, um, then it's going to get found out. Um, you know, they'll they'll talk to some, especially in multifamily. The industry is so small. You know, if you say yes, I knew I knew Joe in Seattle, and then they'll be like, well, and then they call Joe after the meeting. And they asked Joe, well, was this person, you know, saying the right thing? And Joe's like, no, I, that's not right. And, you know, yeah. it happens more often than not. So uh, make sure you're you're being honest. I like that's really good advice. We've hit on some pretty good stuff so far. Were there any other kind of write down moments you'd prepared in terms of candidate preparation before we kind of jump into a little bit more about your firm? Um. You know, I just wanted to say too, like, um, you know, the more that you work on yourself, um, you know, the better that you feel about yourself, whether it be, you know, mentally, uh, physically or spiritually, you know, the more you, the better success I think you'll have, especially in an interview um, or just it, it, your performance in your career. Um, but I would also put a heavy focus on, on those things because, you know, having that confidence and feeling good, uh, you'll, you will perform better. Feel good. Look good. Do good. <laughs> I know it's, it's cliche, but it's so true. You know, it's so true. Yeah. Cause it I, comes I, across. I always like to ask candidates, especially candidates that have been laid off and they're on the job market, you know, not necessarily by their own design and choice, like, how have you been using the time? And when I hear people that have, you know, signed up for this workshop or I picked up running or I started reading a book or I started a podcast or whatever, it's like such an attractive attribute because it's just that like that efforting component that's like, man, I'm I'm using this to level up. And the people that are like, you know, the opposite, not on camera and those kinds of things, it's like there are a lot of great people out there on the market right now. And the people that are putting in the work um, are the people that I think are having the highest speed to conversation and speed to speed to new opportunities. So I, I love that you said that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I thought about another thing too, that might help, you know, somebody stand out is, uh, is sending thank you notes after, you know, within 48 hours after the interview. Um, you know, not everybody does that. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a, you know, a book, um, you know, it can just be one paragraph thanking the person, maybe mentioning something that was said in the interview. Um, I think those little notes really help you stand out. Too. 10, 10% of, uh, interviews that I host use a, a follow-up note. Yeah. I, I, tr I track it and, uh, 10%, exactly. and those 90% <laughs> yeah. don't get a follow-up from me. So, uh, there's little yeah. things like that that matter, even if people don't think they do anymore, but, You'd be surprised what a hiring manager cares about when it comes to the details. Yeah, yeah. Because they're wondering too. I mean, hiring managers like, did this person really care? Like, did they think it was a good meeting? Are they interested in moving forward? And uh, sending that thank you note can answer some of those questions. Yep. Yeah, there are two There are two things that I will not move forward with the candidate no matter what on uh, if they don't pass them. And I've said these on LinkedIn. I've said these on podcasts. 
the follow-up note is really important, even if it's just a thank you for your time. I'm interested. Uh, please let me know if I can do anything to aid in your decision-making process. The second thing is I make it really easy to learn about Mike because of how active I am on LinkedIn. And if you didn't look at my profile and you don't have a question for me, you did not try. And that's one of the first questions I ask people is what questions do you have for me? I'm sure you jumped on my LinkedIn uh, and probably 60% of people did not even look at the person they before they were talking to him. And to me, that's such a missed opportunity, especially when you're interviewing for salespeople. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, Hey, I'd, I'd love to roll out like the red carpet. that's a phrase my friend Chris uses who runs a really great show in the space too. And just kind of hear about South coast partners before we wrap up today, David, kind of what you're up to and, and maybe how, how I can help from, from a podcast standpoint. So anything for you personally or for the company you proudly represent? Well, um, South coast partners, I mean, we are, um, really busy right now. Um, so if you're in the multifamily space or if you're in single family or built to rent, um, you know, please reach out. We work in all different areas of multifamily and single family and, and built to rent. So if you're in property management, if you're in construction, if you're in asset management, development, um, acquisitions, um, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'm active on LinkedIn. Uh, you can always, you know, reach out to me there. Um, or, you know, we can put, uh, put the phone number and, and the email address there. But, um, yeah, we've got, you know, property management searches anywhere from a president of property management right now, all the way down to, I mean, not down. I hate to say, you know, every job is important in, uh, in multifamily and in the real estate industry, but, um, we have property manager roles, maintenance roles, construction developments. I mean, we, we have pretty much the gamut right now available. Um, and, 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 you know, another thing too, is like, we really focus and we've been around for 30 years and, and we really try to focus on maintaining relationships long-term. And I think that's a key to, um, you know, making multifamily or making the real estate niche your career and not just your job. Um, you know, not trying to burn any bridges, you know, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Um, and so we, that, that's why, I mean, I always love talking to people because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, we might not be able to help today, but we could help a year from now or six months from now. Um, and it never hurts to talk. So great. I, I love that. That's awesome. I, I couldn't agree, agree more with you. It's a small industry, but it's a big industry. And <laughs> The deeper, the deeper you go in it, I think the more likely you are to turn multifamily into a career with all the opportunity, the growth. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen over the years how resilient the industry can be. And I think there's going to be a lot of brightness this year in multifamily, despite some of the things that are still happening in our, in our day-to-day lives. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now I'm curious, Mike, uh, before we end this, like, so I saw, did you run 10 Ironmans? Yes, sir. Yeah, I've done 10 Ironmans. Seven were full distance, three were half. Um, I've qualified for the Boston Marathon. I lost 90 pounds in 2008 and ran a 258 marathon about 10 years later, uh, 642 pace, and um, retired from endurance in 2019 and went all in on being a dad. I say (laughs) retire with a smile on my face, but between work and two two great kids and an amazing wife, uh, competing at that 
caliber right now just feels too selfish. So very much an active guy still choose endurance and activity every single day. But, um, I pick my family and my business right now as kind of my two core priorities, but, um, love the endurance space, man. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, I don't think people fully grasp how difficult it is to do an Ironman. Um, I ran a marathon in 2019 and, and that was like almost killed me. Um, <laughs> that was in Houston where it was flat, but, um, uh, I uh, I greatly admire that uh, you can even do one, let alone seven full Ironman. So thanks for the inspiration. Yeah, no, thank thank you for asking. I'll I'll tell you this, not that you're you're asking. Um, when you do things that other people think are really hard or impossible, it changes your perspective. And I think it's like really played a big role in my like think big, outwork mentality that's transcended in my career because. A lot of people said you couldn't lose 90 pounds and I did. And a lot of people said you couldn't go, you know, sub 1030 in an Ironman and I did. Uh, and it was like insanely hard, obviously. Like I went to the well for years to get there, but there's something cool that like I kind of just like wear, you know, underneath my shirt, if you will, that like gives me this sense of like, yeah, I can, I can probably do that. And you could say that makes me cocky. I'd say it makes me very, very self-assurant and, um, the endurance component for me will probably always play a role in my life's trajectory just because I've achieved and attained things that a lot of people just will never try because they're perceived as being so damn hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, you should be. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that kind of goes to what we were talking about too, is like believing that you can like try to get that job, try to get the promotion, put yourself out there because you you can do it. You can do hard things. Um, so I just, I, I love it. I, I love development and performance development, um, whether it be personally or professionally. Um, I'm a fan. So I, my favorite attribute to hire for is coachability. Uh, I really believe in hiring for coachability, uh, for hunger and for um, humility and coachability. I love to just like really try to understand specifically, like, tell me about a time where you were failing in the workplace and you sought out coaching and tell me how you incorporated it and took action. Mm -hmm. And like, when you get people to like yeah. really tell that story, which some people can, some people can't, there are just things like that, that just transcend into the workplace. You know, you can teach them the role specific skills. And if they bring in that, like little ego and high coachability, those are the future leaders that just take off. Definitely. And that's how I got started in the industry is I was doing enterprise rent a car um, at the airport in Houston, Texas. And, uh, but I was working on Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and the holidays. And uh, some nights it would be, you know, up until 2 a.m. The next day it'd be 6 a.m. And uh, somebody said, you should try recruiting. And, um, and I got the job because the Joe Verhoff, who hired me at the time with Addison Healthcare or Addison Group, that's the question he asked me. It's like, tell me a time when you, you know, overcame a, a challenge or an obstacle. And um, and so I discussed, you know, a couple things and and um, been recruiting for 10 years now. So oh, that's awesome. Uh, that. You know, and being able to answer that question, I think, is key. I agree. I, I, I really think yeah. it's important to think through the stories you want to tell and then figure out a way to incorporate them into the questions you receive during, you know, an interview. And, um, I'll say this to you in closing, some of the best salespeople I've ever hired 
come from recruiting backgrounds. Like I deeply respect the work that you do. You know how to get it done. I know you're doing a lot with very little resource. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a lot of success and, and um, it's been really good, but it's the people um, in the industry that, uh, that really make it all happen. We love the people. And no, uh, for sure. Well, hey, I'll include your contact information in the show notes. And for everybody listening, um, we'll include this in the newsletter, uh, which goes out every Tuesday. You can sign up at modernmultifamily.fm. David, I'm really glad we made this happen. Thanks a ton for joining. Yeah, thank you, Mike. <laughs> Have a good day.